0: That was The Early Mornings with a track taken from their debut EP, Unnecessary Creation. Previous singles, featured on the podcast, and the Post Punk Trio, now based in London, have released a fast-paced selection of tracks telling their journey as a band so far. Make sure to check the record out in full, you won't be disappointed. So hello and welcome once again to MIMR Podcast. It's been a while, Um, as we reach the so-called Freedom Day, I hope that I can get back onto a bit more of a regular schedule moving forward. If you're the first-time listener, my name is Dave Griff from Manchester Music Blog, MIMR, bringing you the best in new music from Manchester and beyond. On tonight's show, we have new music from Leisure Theory, Cold Comforts and Neil Jarvis. Plus, we have a very special interview with Damien Morgan, who is currently working with one of MIMR's favourite bands, the Orioles, and has also worked with some of Manchester's best musicians. We will be talking about mental health issues, um, difficulties working within the pandemic, and his favourite Manchester venues. But first we have new music from Cheshire alt-rockers Hazel Mays, released as part of a double A side out on the 1st of August, and this is the lead track. This is called Perpetual Blues. Is a good friend of the show, Jake Smith, aka Leisure Theory, with his latest single, Division Rift, another slice of electro indie pop that's a pure delight. Enjoy. It's time for our interview with Damien Morgan. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Damien. Uh, tell us about your year in music so far and has it, the continuing restrictions made any plans more difficult?
1: Hi, Griff. Thanks for having me on. Um, the past year has been incredibly difficult. And in fact, it started um, when lockdown when lockdown initially kicked in. Um, I was with the Orioles in New York, and we were a couple of dates into a twenty three date tour of the u s and had to come home and That kind of set the tone for the year really of <laughs> just consolations and you know misery and and all that, but there has been some upsides in a sense, i guess um taking stock of where we're at and I also deal with um, Julia Bardo, who's recorded a fantastic album too. And so, uh, yeah, while while difficult, and I think everyone knows the reasons why things have been difficult, there has been a sense of maybe a reevaluation of an approach to working in the music industry, and particularly approach to mental health. Um, yes, the restrictions make life diff- life very difficult, and the lack of you know, full capacity gigs and continuing festival cancellations have made life difficult. Um, there's an upside that bands have had some time, I know the Orioles particularly, have had a lot of time to be more creative and work on the next album, and other projects as well, like La Vita Alistica, the, the film that they're screening through the summer. Um And also for me, just to reevaluate why I'm doing what I'm doing and um, looking at mental health in the industry, you know, it's, um, I would say it's really shed a light on poor practice within the industry when it comes to caring um, for other people's mental health. It's a very fractured industry, so i'm hoping things will change i'm hoping things we we come out of this stronger and fitter um uh but obviously it's tough times i think it's you know i i'm looking ahead now i think that's all we can really do you know just be hopeful look to the future and and we've adapted so far uh, it's been incredibly difficult but um you know we've just got to look to the future now
0: you currently work with one of my favourite bands of the last few years, the Orioles. I remember seeing them back in Manchester a while ago now and thinking that these kids are something special. What do you put their success down to? And are they, in your opinion, a good model for how to
1: make the most of your talents as a musician? And they're one of your favourite bands, Griff, and you know, that I'm really flattered by that as their manager. Um, and obviously I've been involved with them from the very, you know, before they were called the Orioles uh, when they were really young, um, I've seen them develop and grow. And, you know, I think they are, uh, you know, while they're not going to fill stadiums in, in the short term, they are definitely a great role model for creativity and creating your own sound and feel and aesthetic. And, and in fact, the first time I met them, the first time I saw them, the thing that, that really attracted me to them was, was they, had, they had an aesthetic. They looked like a band. They looked like they'd come from somewhere else. You know, they'd looked slightly out of place. They had a great aesthetic. I could tell when I spoke to them the first time, I knew they had really good reference points and, um, you know, with art and film and music. And um and a really tight unit, almost telepathic. It's kind of a bit weird really <laughs> between the three of them, where they, they just connect on another another level entirely. Um you know, they they create art and the music and the art and the film all bleed into each other. Um and they're really impressive and they always impress me. And I think that's something I look for with anyone I work with that kind of, I'm impressed by them. I'm a fan of them. I'm their manager and I'm really impressed by their, always striving for for new creative ideas, always listening to new things, always discussing new things and being really proactive and expressive. And I think that's really important. you know, whether they're the perfect role model for how to make the most of your talents as a musician is hard for me to say. but for me, and for back, what I look for in a, in a band, they, definitely, you know, they they definitely are a good model for <coughs> just being a, an amazing creative unit.
0: Having worked in the music industry for over 20 years now, you must have seen a change in the landscape in the Manchester music scene in particular. Are you impressed with how the scene in Manchester is still thriving despite the events of the past year or so?
1: So I've worked in and around music in Manchester for oh, well over twenty years. Obviously I've been going out in Manchester and seeing bands for about thirty-seven years. <laughs> um and been aware, you know, of different venues and and seeing the changes, and you know, I was right in the epicenter of Manchester, which we didn't call Manchester between us at the time. But you know that whole scene of, um, which was really vibrant in the late eighties. I've seen, you know, I was in the middle of all that, and then different scenes have come and come and gone. Um, Manchester, I think will always thrive. Um. You know in the past year show has shown that we i think as a northern city and Manchester as a city, just generally we tend to react very well to um to hardships and to um downturns you know we when times are tough, we come out fighting and bands have come out fighting and artists have come out fighting and and again, it's that real. Sort of just passion. It's almost like it, it, Mancunians. We've got to do it. <laughs> you know, we don't. We don't just lay down and die <laughs> when um, when when life is is chucking these things at us. We we fight back. So, I think as uh, as a city, um, you know, I am impressed that the Manchester music scene has thrived. But I'm not surprised in in any way, shape, or form. I think, um, you know, and I've had people of my age who as kind of middle aged blokes quite often go, well, you know, the best music was made in whatever, 1987 or whatever. Um, I genuinely think we're in a better place musically and more interesting and diverse right now than uh, ever. You know, just some amazing music and... um, but also that diversity and melding of different genres uh, and new ideas and taking old things and twisting them. You know, we're in a really good place musically. So, yeah, Manchester will always be a special place for music.
0: Growing up in Manchester, who were the musicians you looked up to? And also, which Manchester venues were your favourite ones to visit?
1: So I, I grew up in Stratford, Um and the first bands I looked up to were the Specials and the Smiths. Um, the Specials, because I really liked that Scar Revival scene and I really loved the lyrics. There's a song called um, Friday Night, Saturday Morning, which was the first sort of set of lyrics where I thought that's talking about someone f- from my background. I've got a real sense of, you know, uh, uh, connection with that and then when the smiths emerged i was you know, i was totally obsessed you know manchester band talking about being from manchester talking about being vegetarian which i am and was talking about secondary schools in strepford and i went to a secondary school in Stretford, and so that they were the band that i really looked up to and when i got older when I got older when uh you know in my 30s I started working with um I'd met the the Smiths anyway I started working with Mike Joyce and Andy Rourke and and Terry Hall from the Special. so it's funny how life turns around you know um as for venues in Manchester uh I mean the Apollo is always gonna be one that I really love I've seen some fantastic stuff at the Apollo and I really really love that venue. Um, I really love Night and Day um, and I love Jay Taylor uh, there who's I think curates interesting stuff. Um, I mean Manchester's just got great venues hasn't it full stop. I really love the guys at Gorilla um, just because they're a great bunch of people. So. But I would say top of the list is probably the Apollo. Out of all the older venues that have stuck around and, you know, that the, the, have had some amazing classic gigs on and there's just got that feel of something special happens there, I would, say. I would say the Apollo, really.
0: As someone who is vastly experienced within the industry, you must be in a good position to pass your knowledge on to other people. What would you say is the most important factor to anyone wanting to make a career out of music?
1: I get asked a fair bit about, um, you know, what's the most important factor in wanting to have a career in music. And I think before the pandemic, I would have said something slightly different. Post-pandemic, I would say, um, do it because you need to do it and do it because you want to do it. I would say take creative control. Um, and I would say protect yourself. You know, the mental health again, I just think it's so important to protect yourself. It's an industry that it's an industry that kind of thrives on artists who may struggle and they sing about the struggle, but it's also an industry that can cause mental health issues so I think just being really aware of um of yourself and checking in on yourself and and making sure you've got good people around you to support you if you're going to have a career in music because it is hard it is tough and it shouldn't be it's got this reputation for being really hard-nosed and it's full of sharks and and it is but it really really shouldn't be and it needn't be and I think there needs to be a real sea change there. So I would say first and foremost, you know, really, really looking after yourself. And
0: Many thanks, Damien, for joining us on the podcast. Stay safe and wish you all the best for the rest of the year. Uh, before you go, though, if you could only listen to three records for the rest of your life, which ones would they be
1: and why? Now, you've asked me three songs that... I would have to listen to for the rest of my life, which is an incredibly cruel question to ask anybody who loves music. So hmm, I've been thinking about this and I think it's really tricky. So my first choice is going to be uh, the Walker Brothers. My ship is coming in. And the first time I heard Scott Walker's voice, or really were fully aware of the greatness of it, was when I heard this particular song. Um, just the depth and the richness of his vocal. The lyrics might seem a bit cheesy, and you know, lyrically he's done other stuff that's been much more interesting in a way, but I just love the sense of hope in that song. And whenever I've had a bad time, and whenever I've had a good time, it's a song that I revisited and that's been incredibly important to me. Um, to revisit and to really, um, you know, sometimes wallow in it and sometimes celebrate with it, but it's an amazing song and it's, it's uh, you know, and it's got Scott Walker singing on it, so anything Scott Walker does is amazing. Right, my second choice is going to sound a bit unusual, or well, maybe not. Anyway, it's Luther Vandross, Never Too Much, and Luther Vandross is someone that my brother and sister who are, About 13, 14 years older than me, used to listen to a lot when I was a teenager. And I thought it was a load of rubbish. And all that sort of music, I thought was, it just wasn't my music. I was into indie music and I'm not listening to that sort of, you know, sort of soul rubbish. And I was out one night, must have been about 19 or 20 at the, the venue, and it's the old venue, which was on Whitworth Street, not the venue that exists now. And the DJ played this, and it just really made me feel very happy. And I danced to it and just thought, this is amazing. such an uplifting track. And it's become, you know, it's one of my favourite songs ever. Um, Reminds me of my brother and sister. And it's also kind of a reminder that um, your tastes develop, and sometimes just by osmosis. You you can enjoy some types of music that you know that this obviously sunk into me somewhere, and now I really love uh, jazz, funk, and soul, and um, but I didn't for for a long time. I was in a proper kind of blinkered indie rut through my teens. Um, so yeah, Luther Vandross, never too much. The final one is um, a band that I've actually become good friends with over the past few years. And they are also good friends of the Orioles and a big influence and involved, were involved with the Orioles and still are to a certain extent uh, through Jazz Kerr. And it's a certain ratio, do the do. And it's such a cool song. And it's so, um, it makes me reminisce actually about the Hacienda because on a Thursday night when Dave Haslam would be DJing, I'd turn up, meet friends at the Hacienda. Sometimes I'd be early, 9.30, there's no one there. You know, but you thought, well, there's nowhere else to go. We've got the Hacienda on a Thursday night. And it was an amazing club night. And quite often there'd be no one there or about five people there. And you'd hear the, the opening bars to do the do, coming through the Hacienda sound system in this cavernous place. And it was just incredible. What a tune. What a huge tune. And I never, ever get bored of listening to that. So there you go. That's my three. Very difficult to choose. And if you ask me in two weeks, there might be another three. But, um yeah, really, really... uh Yeah, I'm pleased with those choices. They're okay. Anyway, thanks for having me, Griff.
0: All Rock Quartet from Manchester Cold Comforts return to the podcast now with their upcoming single, which is out on 14th of July. Take from the debut album, which will be well worth the wait. This is Slow Down. Sadly, that's all we've got time for for tonight's show. Head over to my Twitter, MIMR Podcast, to find out when the next show will be. Hopefully it won't be too long. We'll end with the blissful, soothing sounds of Neil Jarvis with a cut from his recent solo record out on June 4th. The lead man of MIMR favourite indie band Sprinters has an ear for a glowing tune, and this is one of them. This is the title track, and it's called Get the Band Back Together. Till next time, goodbye. One, two, three,
2: four. It's time to get the band back together. Get the band back together It's time To fix that old guitar It's time To get the band back together It's time To give it Oh. Yeah. Yeah.